Nehemiah chapter 7. As we have seen in recent weeks, there are problems outside of the city of God. There are enemies who wish to do harm to the work that is taking place within the city of God. And no doubt when we compare within the city and outside the city, we would say, yes, things are better within the city of God. There are no doubt blessings of being within this city where there is the presence of the living God, the special presence of God. We know that the temple lies within the walls of Jerusalem. And here is a place of refuge. Here is a place for people who have fled what is the city of destruction, Babylon, toward what would be their home. A home, a place of protection. Now, before we read Nehemiah chapter 7, I I hope we're not too worried about the long list of genealogies. I want us to remember as we go through this, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. And what we've got to ask ourselves here this evening, as we read any part of scripture, how is this profitable? What does this teach us about God? And what does it teach us about his glorious gospel? So let us hear now God's holy and infallible word. Nehemiah chapter 7. Now when the wall had been built and I had set up the doors and the gatekeepers, the singers and the Levites had been appointed, I gave my brother Hananiah and Hananiah, the governor of the castle, charge over Jerusalem. For he was a more faithful and God-fearing man than many. And I said to them, Let not the gates of Jerusalem be open until the sun is hot. And while they are still standing guard, let them shut and bar the doors. Appoint guards from among the inhabitants of Jerusalem, some at their guard posts and some in front of their own homes. The city was wide and large, but the people within it were few. And no houses had been built. Then my God put it into my heart to assemble the nobles and the officials and the people to be enrolled by genealogy. And I found the book of the genealogy of those who came up at the first. And I found written in it. These were the people of the province who came up out of the captivity of those exiles from Nebuchadnezzar. The king of Babylon carried into exile. They returned to Jerusalem and Judah, each to his own town. They came with Zerubbabel, Jeshua, Nehemiah, Azariah, Remiah, Nahamani, Mordecai, Bilshan, Mispereth, Bigvi, Nahum, Bana. The number of the men of the people of Israel, the sons of Parash, 2,172, the sons of Shephatiah, 372, the sons of Ara, 652, the sons of Pahath, Moab, namely the sons of Jeshua and Joab, 2,818, the sons of Elam, 1,254, the sons of Zatu, 845, the sons of Zakai, 
760. The sons of Benai, Benoi, 648. The sons of Bebai, 628. The sons of Asgad, 2,322. The sons of Adonikam, 667. The sons of Bigvi, 2,067. The sons of Adon, 655. The sons of Atir, namely of Hezekiah, 98. The sons of Hashem, 328. The sons of Bezai, 324. The sons of Haraf, 112. The sons of Gibeon, 95. The men of Bethlehem and Netophah, 188. The men of Anathoth, 128. The men of Beth Azmabeth, 42. The men of Kiriath, Jerim, Kepharah, and Beroth, 743. The men of Ramah and Geba, 621. The men of Michmas, 122. The men of Bethel and Ai, 123. The men of the other Nebo, 52. The sons of the other Elam, 1,254. The sons of Haram, 320. The sons of Jericho, 345. The sons of Lod, Hadid, and Ono, 721. The sons of Sena, 3,930. The priests, the sons of Jediah, namely the house of Jeshua, 973. The sons of Immer, 1,052. The sons of Pasher, 1,247. The sons of Haram, 1,017. The Levites, the sons of Jeshua, namely of Cadmiel, of the sons of Hodva, 74. The singers, the sons of Asaph, 148. The gatekeepers, the sons of Shalom, the sons of Atir, the sons of Talmon, the sons of Akub, the sons of Hatita, the sons of Shobai, 138. The temple servants, the sons of Zehai, the sons of Hashifa, the sons of Taboeth, the sons of Kerosh. The sons of Sia, the sons of Padon, the sons of Lebanon, the sons of Hagabah, the sons of Shalmai, the sons of Hanan, the sons of Giddel, the sons of Gahar, the sons of Reiah, the sons of Rezin, the sons of Nakoda, the sons of Gazam, the sons of Uzzah, the sons of Peshiah, the sons of Besai, the sons of Mehenam, the sons of Nephoshim, the sons of Bakbuk, the sons of Hakafa, the sons of Harhar, the sons of Baslath, the sons of Mehidia, the sons of Harsha, the sons of Barkos, the sons of Sisera, the sons of Tima, the sons of Neziah, the sons of Hatifa, the sons of Solomon's servants, the sons of Sotai, the sons of Sophereth, the sons of Parida, the sons of Jela, the sons of Darkon, the sons of Giddel, the sons of Shephertiah, the sons of Hittel, the sons of Pokereth, Hazabaim, the sons of Ammon. All the temple servants and the sons of Solomon's servants were 392. The following were those who came up from Tal Mela, Tel Harsha, Cherub. Adon and Immer, but they could not prove their father's house nor their descent. 
whether they belong to Israel, the sons of Deliah, the sons of Tobiah, the sons of Nakoda, 642. Also of the priests, the sons of Hobiah, the sons of Hakaz, the sons of Barzillai, who had been taken a wife of the daughters of Barzillai, the Gideonite, and was called by their name. These sought their registration among those enrolled in the genealogies, but it was not found there. So they were excluded from the priesthood as unclean. The governor told them that they were not to partake of the most holy food until a priest with Urim and Thummim should arise. The whole assembly together was 42,360, beside their male and female servants, of whom there were 7,337. And they had 245 singers, male and female. Their horses were 736, their mules 245, their camels 435, and their donkeys 6,720. Now some of the heads of the fathers' houses gave to the work. The governor gave to the treasury 1,000 darics of the gold, 50 basins, 30 priest garments, and 500 minas of silver. And some of the heads of the fathers' houses gave into the treasury of the work 20,000 darics of gold, 2,200 minas of silver. And what the rest of the people gave was 20,000 darics of gold, 2,000 minas of silver, and 67 priests' garments. So, the priests and the Levites, the gatekeepers, the singers, some of the people, the temple servants, and all Israel lived in their towns. And when the seventh month had come, the people of Israel were in their towns. And may the Lord bless the reading of his word. Our title for this evening's message is Finding Refuge in God's City. Finding Refuge in God's City. The topic of refugees and finding asylum and fleeing areas of persecution and difficulty is a big area of discussion, isn't it, in our day? It's a a topic that requires much wisdom and much thought in those who are governing over us. Those who've been following some of the stories of migrants who will be traveling from France to the UK will be particularly saddened when they hear of people dying as they attempt to go across the channel. But what has to be assessed when people come over? Do people have what is called a refugee status? Are they genuine refugees? Do they qualify for this status? Can they stay and have the benefits of remaining in the United Kingdom and enjoying the blessings and the benefits of that? Genuine refugees can be fleeing from war, persecution of one form of another. Their home is no longer safe. They can't possibly return. That is what has to be assessed. And we we think at this time, don't we, of places like Ukraine. A very, very clear example of where uh, home is 
certainly not safe anymore. And how many countless people have had to flee from their homes in that part of the world. But what about finding refuge spiritually? Finding refuge spiritually. If you've ever read Pilgrim's Progress and Christian discovers his home is the city of destruction. And it is no longer a safe place to be. What must he do? He must flee from there and seek refuge. Refuge. And the only place he can find refuge is in God. The blessings which God alone offers. In our text here this evening, this Sabbath evening, there's a picture. Uh, there's a picture of the blessings of God. There's a, there's a picture, you could say, of the gospel going on here in this chapter. Uh, this morning we saw a picture, didn't we? A, a picture of baptism. The sign and seal of the covenant. The outward washing away of the flesh. As surely as Jesus Christ will wash away our sins by the blood of the Lamb. Here in the city of God, you will see a different picture, another picture, but of that gospel. Of that gospel where he provides refuge, where people who flee from the city of destruction find refuge in this city, the city of God. And the question is for us this evening, who has refugee status? Who can stay? Who has the full blessings of remaining within that city? And being part of that city. The first point we're going to look at. Of those who are finding refuge in God's city. Is it is those who are seeking God in this city. Those who are seeking God in this city. This is our first point. Seeking God in this city. And we start with this. As we look at this text of Nehemiah chapter 7. Because it's very easy To slip into thinking about the benefits of being in the city of God. The benefits, the outward benefits of being part of the church. There are benefits. But we must first and foremost be seeking God. In the city, in the church, it is led by those who are faithful to God and fear God. It says... In verses 1 and 2, then it was when the wall was built and I had hung the doors, when the gatekeepers and the singers and the Levites had been appointed, that I gave the charge of Jerusalem to my brother Hanani, and Hananiah the leader of the citadel, for he was a faithful man and feared God more than many. The leadership here in the city of God is made up of those who fear God. And are faithful to God. Or another way of saying this is. If you wish to be in this city. Where there is refuge. It is for those. Who wish to be led by God. Those who wish to be led by God. Because there is the danger. In all our activity. Though good it is of itself. And for all the things. And perhaps even the outward change in our lives. That we don't. Seek. God. The city of God, the church, is a place where sinners seek God. They are the ones 
who have refugee status. They are the ones who can stay. They are the ones for whom there is protection and the blessings and the benefits of remaining in here. In the city of God. If they are in the city only in an outward way. Just members. Just being there. But not seeking God. Not fearing God. They are still have the same heart. As the enemies we saw in the previous chapter. People like Tobiah and others. The same heart. The instructions given to Hananiah and Hananiah were instructions that would bless God's people. This is the charge Nehemiah gives to the leadership. Verse 2 once again. That I gave the charge of Jerusalem to my brother Hananiah and Hananiah the leader of the citadel. For he was a faithful man and feared God more than many. For I said to them do not let the gates of Jerusalem be opened. They were leading and they were given instructions that would bless the people of God. That would bless the people of God. But these benefits, spiritually speaking, are but temporary. They will not be eternal blessings unless you are seeking God. For Him. We're seeking God primarily for Him and for who He is. For how wonderful He is. Not For yes we we love the benefits and the blessings. And there's many blessings and benefits of being in God's city. the, The church of the living God. But it must not be purely external only. Because perhaps you enjoy being around friendly people. And we would hope that Christians are friendly welcoming people. Nothing wrong with that, is there? There's nothing wrong with that in and of itself. But there's a danger that that's all we do in church. Perhaps you like how other Christians are a good influence on you. And and you like that it has brought you away from certain bad habits that you once had. That alone, not necessarily a bad thing at all. But that will not save you at all. Morality alone will not save you. You need to be seeking God because it is only in Him that there is this protection. We must not be seeking purely external benefits only of the city. The the outward protections, the things that we really think are protecting us, but they're not protecting us. We need, all of us need to be seeking God who visits his people in a special way within the city of God. This special way was seen in the Holy of Holies within the temple. The special presence of God being there. But God comes to visit his people in a special way here at the worship service, doesn't he? Here at the worship service In the morning and the evening. God comes to be with his people through Jesus Christ. In a special way. In a way that the Old Testament believers would have been jealous of. Yes, God is omnipresent. He is is everywhere. But there's a special way he comes to be with his people at the worship service. 
that through Christ, we, in Christ, are a sweet-smelling aroma before the, the Father in heaven. As we are rescued from all that pursues us and wishes to do us harm. Without that seeking of God, there is no protection. Without that seeking of God, there is no sweet aroma going before the throne room of heaven. And without that seeking of God, without that new heart, a new nature, to be following in with the city of God, God will not delight in you. God will not delight in your sin. But God will delight in you, dear Christian, if you have believed in Jesus Christ. If you are a believer and you are clothed by him, he delights in you. And you are a, city, you are a citizen of this city. You are a member of the city in the fullest sense of the word. Number two now. So number one, we've been looking at seeking God in this city. Number two now, seeking safety in this city. Seeking safety in this city. If you are truly seeking God, this is what will follow after this. You are seeking safety in this city where there is the presence of Almighty God. Otherwise, enemies to the church and enemies to the work. And Nehemiah says this in Nehemiah chapter 7 verse 3. And I, this is referring to Nehemiah, and I said to them, Do not let the gates of Jerusalem be opened until the sun is hot. And while they stand guard, let them shut and bar the doors and appoint guards from among the inhabitants of Jerusalem. One of his watch station and another in front of his own house. Now, the question probably many of you have right now is, why were they doing this? What significance does this have? Why wait until the weather is hot? The, the, the gates, the doors, are only opened when? When it is a clear, as one commentator puts it, a clear and a broad day. A clear and a broad day. A time when it is clear if the enemy is approaching. This is another way of saying this. You can see the enemy approaching far off because it's clear. It's probably the clearest time to see this. Uh, this is the highest level of safety possible. And when the way was not clear, the gates remained closed. The gates remained closed. When, you, when people go to the supermarkets, we'll often keep our children nice and close because we can't see around uh, the next aisle and we're afraid if they run off and where have they gone. But have you ever been to a, those big playgrounds? Places like Hillsborough. And they can run much further off, can't they? Because it's surrounded by this big fence and you don't need them so close by. You can let them run away off. Because it's much safer. It's much more protected. There is a greater level of safety. Only open the gates. When it is safest to do so. 
when it is safest to do so. If you are seeking God, you have found refuge. The the only way you can seek God, the only way you can actually want to seek God is if he pursued you first. This is another thing we need to remind ourselves. He has given you a heart to seek him. Otherwise, you wouldn't seek him in the first place. But if you are seeking God, you have found refuge. You have found refuge. The safest possible refuge, the safest possible place to hide is in the city of the living God. Now, here is but a picture. Here is but a picture. Because it's God who keeps him safe. It's God who is that wall around the city. In the book of Zechariah, it calls it a wall of fire. God is a wall of fire that surrounds that city. And he is still a wall of fire today who protects his city, Jerusalem, while on this earth. Anything that attacks, anything that attacks, remember it is only because God allows it and is by God's permission. There is nowhere safer than in God. Nowhere safer. Nothing safer than being in the city of God in the will of God. And this is why, perhaps over the last few years, responses to crises have been perhaps a little bit disappointing. And perhaps we'll even use a different term, maybe discouraging. We have not sought safety in God above safety in all other means available to us. Rather than fleeing and running in and coming to church in droves over the last two years, sometimes the opposite has happened. And dear, dear friends, I have made the exact same mistake. I point the finger at myself. It's hard to think about this, but we must not repeat past mistakes. Should another time come in the future, the safest place, no matter what happens... If we face war, if we face famine, we face disease, is with God. We can shut down so many things within within reason. We shut down businesses, all this kind of thing. But worship should be the last thing to stop. There can be exceptions to this, of course. There could be snowstorms, all sorts of things. But it should be the last thing to stop. We need, above any other need that we have, any other priority we have, the most important thing is prayer, coming together in prayer and coming together and meeting with our God in heaven. The most important, the most essential, the most vital part of life is meeting with God and his beloved people. His beloved people. There is something so sweet and profound about meeting with God's people. Not fellowship, yes, but also coming together in worship. And that words fail us to express how wonderful it is and how much we need it. To have God visit us, it is the safest possible place, the city of God. The safest possible place. The safest place as well for our own temptations. 
If you, are, are, you could be going through massive trials and temptations here this evening. Maybe your past sins are trying to draw you back into old habits. And, and the devil is using this to throw accusations and to discourage. But the safest place is not alone. The safest place is in the city of God. The safest place also for our physical health. Because God is that great healer. Jesus Christ, the great physician. The safest from our enemies. Whoever they may be. We'll use one example around the world. The safest place for Chinese Christians. Who are suffering great persecution. Is in the will of God. And they know this. They know this and have experienced this. And it's why they're more than willing to suffer time and time again. And it can be the hardest thing for us in the West. May the, the Lord may take away our comforts. The Lord may bring persecution to us. But if he does, he does it for good, righteous, and holy reasons. To make us see the safest place is with him. The safest place is in the will of God. The safest place is not isolated. It is with God's people in the city of God. Number three now. Seeking salvation in this city. So we're seeking God in the city, seeking safety in the city, seeking salvation in this city. Verses 4 and 5. Now the city was large and spacious, but the people in it were few and the houses were not built. Then God, then my God put in it into my heart to gather the nobles, the rulers and the people, that they might be registered by genealogy. And we'll just stop there and then go up to verses 61 of Nehemiah chapter 7, verse 61. These were the ones who came up from Tel Mela, Tel Harsha, Cherub, Adon, and Emer, but they could not identify their father's house nor their lineage, whether they were of Israel. And also verse 65, verse 65, and the governor said to them, that they should not eat of the most holy things till a priest could consult with the Urim and Thummim. Whatever the dangers outside of the city of God, whatever the dangers outside of the city of God, there are also dangers within us. There are also dangers with us, within us. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Jeremiah 17, 9. Martin Luther feared his own heart far more than he did the Pope of Rome. You cannot trust yourself. You cannot trust yourself. He who trusts in his own heart is a... Fool, Proverbs tells us, Proverbs 28, verse 26. So when you are seeking for refuge, seeking for safety, you are seeking for salvation, not just in the world that may want to do us harm, but from what we've done ourselves. We're seeking for safety. We're seeking for 
help and saving from what we have done. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Without God's grace, we are the enemies at the gate. Without God's grace, we are the Tobias and the Sanballat's plotting. This is... This is what we all are apart from the grace of God. Apart from the merciful, loving, transforming grace of God. Look at the Apostle Paul. Before his conversion and after his conversion. How much he changed. He persecuted and tormented the church. To loving and building up and strengthening the church. And that is what the grace of God does To find refuge here in this city. You must be part of this holy seed. You must be part of this genealogy. You must be part of the royal seed of Israel. Just remind ourselves once again verse 61. There were the ones who came up from Telmela, Telharsha, Cherub, Adon and Immer. But they could not identify their father's house nor their lineage. Whether they were of Israel. Now this is them checking their, their physical lineage. Are they part? Can they prove that they're part of Israel? They, they can't part, be part of the nation unless they can show where their lineage goes back. Are they actually part of Israel? Now we might think, well, I don't know if my DNA goes back to this. Well, we would miss the point of this. How do we today, and as it was back then too, how can we today become part of the Holy Seed? Because we must remember your family name alone does not save anyone. Your father's faith will not save you. You can be born in a Christian home, but you can depart through unbelief. As you grow up. From that one olive tree. The church. It says in Romans 11. 20 and 21. Well said because of unbelief. They were broken off. And you stand by faith. Be not haughty. But fear. But if God did not spare the natural branches. He may not spare you either. Romans 11. 20 and 21. How can you become part of this holy seed. Saved. By grace alone. Believing in Jesus Christ. Trusting in Jesus Christ. Turning from your sin. Turning from that which you need to be saved from. And turning to Jesus Christ. And you become part of this holy seed. You become part of spiritual Israel. It says in Romans eleven sixteen and 17. For if the first fruit is holy. The lump also holy. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. And if some of the branches were broken off, and you being a wild olive tree, this is talking about the Gentiles being grafted into that one olive tree, were grafted in among them, and with them became a partaker of the root and the fatness of the olive tree. And Romans 11 makes it very clear. You partake of that olive tree. That one olive tree that goes right back. That one church. That one holy seed. By faith in Jesus Christ. You also break away by unbelief. 
but you're grafted in through faith. This holy seed saved from their sins. Without salvation, you cannot partake of the holy things. You cannot partake of the spiritual food God has an offer for those who are his people. Those who he shepherds. It says in verse 65 of Nehemiah 7. And the governor said to them that they should not eat of the most holy things. Till a priest could consult with the Urim and Thummim. They have to make sure that this person was really part of the church. Really part of the seed of God. Now again, must remind you, just because you're a member of the visible church, the outward church does not mean you are born again necessarily. Judas was a member of the visible church. But we know he was not converted. If you are an unbeliever, you must not partake of holy things. You must not feed on holy things. We think of the Lord's Supper, which we will partake of in a few weeks' time. If you are an unbeliever, the Bible warns, For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy matter, eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. But if you are saved, you are part of this holy seed by faith, you can Partake. You can, you must, and you will partake of holy things in the Word of God. This is your food. The the Word of God is your food. It is your drink. It is your sustenance. It is what sustains you in holiness. Those who seek the salvation in the seed, the seed of the Lord Jesus Christ, are saved from their own sins in this city. And then finally, number four, seeking service in this city. Seeking service in this city. So we've looked at seeking God, seeking safety, seeking salvation. And now finally, seeking service in this city. If you in finding refuge, we must not think of it as purely something you receive passively, alone. Yes, there's tremendous blessings Of being a part of this holy seed. Of being a part of this holy city. Of being part of the bride of Christ. Tremendous blessings. And we have so many reasons to praise and worship our God. But. If we are seeking God. Seeking his protection. Seeking his salvation. We will also, as a fruit of our thanksgiving toward him, seek to serve. Seek to serve. In the giving of our gifts, our abilities, and whatever opportunities God has given us. In verse 72. In verse 72 of this chapter. Of Nehemiah 7. And that which the rest of the people gave was 20,000 gold drachmas. 2,000 silver minas and 67 priestly garments. There's a list here of the nobles and other people giving of what they have to the work. This great work of God. And one of the biggest mistakes, there's many mistakes we can make, but one of the biggest mistakes we can make in the church is either not receiving help when we need it or also not giving help when others need it. 
And I find we can either be on one extreme or the other. We all, we all have weaknesses in these areas. But we must, in seeking this refuge and finding this refuge in God, express that we have found refuge. Express and show the reality we are part of the city. And because we're part of that city, we serve in the city. We labor. We labor in the city. By helping, we are saying outwardly, we're part of this great work. But by working, this is, it says that, it even says that to the world. They see people helping out at church. They can tell, oh, you must be a Christian. You must be a member of that church. It is such a powerful testimony. It is the fruit of a root planted by God. It is the fruit of a new heart. It is the fruit of a new attitude. A new way of thinking. A new way of serving. This is why one reason... One reason among many, church membership is so important. So important. It says outwardly what is true inwardly. It says we are part of this. We are part of the bride of Christ. We are part of this great work, this great service of which the bride of Christ is doing. In our text there is money given to the work. Money given. But that money given during the worship service and praise to God, it's, it's helping. We should not just think about it as just finance. It, it buys things that are necessary. Um, necessary things, perhaps clothing in par- places of need. Food, other things, vital necessities at times. This city of refuge. Currently many are giving to Ukrainian relief and charities helping Ukraine. And praise God for that. And by giving you are helping in that effort. By giving you are helping in that effort. That money is helping. But we must not think of it as purely money. We must give more than money. We must give ourselves We must give our talent. We must give our strength. Sometimes we give our strength to carry the burdens of others around us who cannot carry such burdens. And, and those burdens can vary from time to time. That, that can be burdens in the home. You, you, you come home from work, you've had a long day's work, but you still have some energy and you see your wife is exhausted. Help her. Relieve her burdens. There's there's many different places. Serving in the kingdom. Let's not just think that serving in the kingdom. Is just what we do here. On a Sabbath morning and a Sabbath evening. It is throughout the week. It is in our homes. And it is before our children. It is before our grandchildren. Giving of ourselves to the working of the kingdom. This work outwardly says. We are part of this great work. But the work doesn't save us. It is a fruit, not a root. It shows evidence of a new heart. It shows evidence that we love God. It shows evidence that we, rejo- we, we gladly serve Him. It shows evidence that we have a home in heaven. 
You might be here this evening and you're wondering, is there any space for me in this city? You may be here this evening and you may not know anything about what I am talking about. Can you find refuge in this city? Verse 4 says this, Now the city was large and spacious, but the people in it were few. There's plenty of space for all who will come to Jesus Christ. All who will wish to flee away from their, their sin. All who will wish to flee away from their burdens. And find rest in Him. By turning to God and seeking Him. There is a wonderful home for you. There's a wonderful peace for you. We see at the end of the chapter. It describes how they then, so the priests, the Levites, and the gatekeepers, verse 73, the singers and some of the people, the Nethinim and all Israel dwelt in their cities. They dwelt in their homes. They were at home. They were at peace. Because God's the one who gives the safety. God's the one who gives the refuge. Come to him while he may be found. Seek the Lord. And trust in him. Amen.